Hey everybody, it's Ron from the Nerd Life Crisis Podcast Network, here to talk to you today about SpinWiz Comics. SpinWizComics.com is an indie comics discovery platform. It's designed to help comic book readers find new content, with over 60 publishers and over 400 different comic titles to choose from, and growing every week. Most of the content right now is free to read, but there are options available to purchase PDFs and support creators you read the most. And right now, as part of the promotion, IB Comics is offering the first four issues of Grace, free to read. And for all you music fans out there, the first 28 pages of Legba's Juke Joint Volume 1. You can read all of these for free at spinwizcomics.com. So if you're a content creator out there, check it out. It's a no-hassle platform whose core goal is to help with awareness, to essentially take your comic book and put it out there for new readers. It's as easy as uploading a couple of PDFs, toss them into a Dropbox or Google, and within a day, your stuff will be online and available for purchase or for new readers to check out. SpinWizComics.com. Check it out today. Welcome to Fix It in the Mix, the podcast about the real music business. As always, I'm your host, Chris Thayer. Today, I'm sitting down with the gentleman from The Sovereign Artist, Carolina West, and Isaac McCorkle. Hey, hey, hey. We're here in the beautiful Inland Blue Studios. Welcome, gentlemen, and thanks for coming in. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Oh, man, my pleasure. So, I always kind of find it interesting to find out how people got started in music. Usually, like I say, it's, it's not the sort of thing that anybody chooses i feel like it chooses them that they get sucked into it somehow and then that becomes a part of their life for the rest of their life so let's start with carolina since i don't know you uh, very well but i've known isaac since we were young pups um so how did you get sucked into this world of music i feel like i got a common story where it's just being in a household filled with music my pops was a dj you know back in the day so okay. by the time i got to high school i just started experimenting with recording with the homies and you know so was he like a dj doing um like like rap stuff or was he like dj in like parties he was or DJing, weddings or whatever? Uh, like parties and corporate events and stuff nice. in the la so area getting paid, yeah, yeah 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 he was like a, a law student by by day and just would dj for his buddies little events and stuff so it was more of a money thing absolutely yeah <clears throat> no it's definitely good money uh, what about you, Isaac? How'd you get started playing music? I know we played right out of high school, but it had to start before then. Yeah, it's you ask that question. I think it's kind of funny because, you know, you, you're sort of born with that thing in your head to, to do stuff like that and it just gets you sucked into, you know, grabbing sticks to play drums or, you know, playing whacking on a piano or whatever so so you like bang on the pots and pans when you were a oh kid. my god yeah that's what i had my first drum set was a was a light behind me and two pots and pans on some sticks and nice. so so i can see my silhouette like i had a drum set <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny. yeah that's right. so it's like there's never a time that i remember being inspired by something that i heard or right. whatever so that's but, how i got sucked in like i can remember before i even had guitars I had tennis rackets that we took like really crappy duct tape and cardboard and made it look like an 80s style guitar. Definitely most people there's, there's that. Um, I, I don't know if it's an intrinsic thing or if you're, it's, you're born yeah. with it or you know what the, what the deal is. But uh, most musicians, they, they definitely have to do it. And if they don't, they, they don't feel right. Um, I, so. I sucked my neighbor friend into uh, into getting into, like, we called it music videos, and we'd get yeah. in his room, and, and I'd set up this makeshift drum set, and he'd have a guitar, and, like, we'd do the whole thing of Rush moving pictures. That's so, funny. So, you know, we'd just be playing, you know, with the lights off. We had this red light going on and everything. Yeah. So, did, so did it was all like me. That? It was man, all me, to, man. To be honest, I never had the... I never had the skills to pick up any instruments. I tried for years, but it just never, you but know, you know, could a lot get of, it. A lot of people do the, uh, you know, I'm going to perform for my family, especially when you're oh, a kid. Oh, definitely. I mean, but, well, like I said, again, my dad being a DJ, he was also like a radio right. DJ. So I would like play around with the equipment in there. But it was always more exploring the, the music that was already made. And right. Looping it and playing with it that way. But that's an art as well. Yeah, right, I mean, right. that's I mean, that's really what people who play instruments do, mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. 
um, they're they're building on what they hear and what other people are already doing. Right, right. So yeah, there is there is definitely a musicality to that as well. I mean, that's like the makings of a producer. Right, right. You know? Yeah. And and you were like ten years old yeah, already yeah, working definitely. toward being a producer. <laughs> so uh, absolutely cool. So um, how would you describe your group? Uh, like, what do you guys do? We play. Uh, we play, man. We just play. We get together, we jam, and then we're like, that's cool. Let's well, keep playing. What, what would you call the style? After after knocking our heads around, man, it's really like soul cow funk, and we say soul, like S-O-U-L, because okay. it's like, you know, that's kind of the content, and it's kind of the way I try to deliver the songs uh, lyrically. Okay. And then it's, it's, it's funky at the end of the day, even though Real it funky. may drift to reggae at right. times or, right. or sky at times, but it's, we try to keep it funky. I, you know, I think that's definitely something we're seeing a lot more of. You don't see hard lines between genres anymore, mm-hmm. and especially with young kids. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't care what you call it. They care that you like it. Right. You know, and they don't care that it fits into a box. In fact, they want it to not fit into a nice little package. And that's, I think that's a label thing. Yeah. That's like a, you know, yeah. 50s through 90s thing. Right, right. Um so yeah, I think drawing on on multiple influences and styles is kind of the thing right now, mm-hmm. you know. And if you're not, I feel like you're missing an opportunity. Definitely, you know, musically speaking. Yeah, there is all different styles coming out compared to what I remember back, you know, ten years ago. When it comes to like even like you know, even reggae is is bigger now, and yeah. There's even like digital stuff out there, like Twenty One Pilots and certain music that they even go into jazz and piano mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff, and it's huge now. So it doesn't really matter too much anymore. I think there, which is good. I think it can be. I think it definitely can be because I I think you're teaching your audience that you don't have to conform to a mold to be you know to be but, cool. But then it's scattered everywhere, though. That is the thing <laughs> I was gonna say. Um, you know, it's, it makes it that much harder yeah, to describe crazy. what your right, band sounds right. like and just say, well, you got to hear it. Well, that ain't going to work. Nope. Um, so I think I, I feel what you were saying when, when you talk about we, you know, bat around ideas and we came up with this. Mm-hmm. Um, I as well have had that, yeah, yeah. that struggle because I don't like to make my stuff fit into one style. I like to draw from a lot of things. Well, that's what's cool about the Sovereign <laughs> Artist because we all come into it with like nothing in mind at all for the most part. And well, you know, a little bit, but nothing that we want to keep out. Right. You know, cause we got, you know, we can pull from horns and, you know, rap and rock and everything. So, right. 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 So it's, it's a cool part. Well, how many piece band is it? How many guys you have? It's seven. People? Wait. Oh, man. So it's like Three. that. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, seven, seven, seven pieces. Okay, no, yeah. I I understand that because I went, I just ha- came from being a, a seven piece, mm-hmm. and we down, uh, not downgraded, but you know, downsized. Okay, to mm-hmm. a six piece, uh, just because it became so many people doing similar things that we mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, we, we need to you know thin it out a little bit. It's just getting to be a wall of sound. Um, well, everything regular looks natural with the four but then you add three horn players and that's what you know right that's so, what gets in so there. what what are the horns you have uh you got a trombone um a trumpet and saxophone oh, okay so you got like the the mighty three mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah um which i mean that's that's like every ska band has to have <laughs> that setup or, or at least uh, like a sax and a trumpet or sax and a trombone or right, it doesn't right. it doesn't work yeah. um absolutely so uh Isaac, what was your first drum set? Do you remember? Um, it was a CB700. Anybody heard of that? They that know a, it sucks. Is that a Yamaha? Or? No, it does, I don't know what it, what it came from. I think it was a, it came from a piano company or something like that. It wasn't Yamaha though, but yeah, it was like a, um, a gold, um, um, silveryish look type looking. Did thing. I know you then? I um, think I remember that drum I don't, kit. Man, I'm not sure. This was this was way before that. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, I I, I bought it myself and I I set it up and everything. So for me, it was like the shining mountain on the hill. <laughs> right. Right. You know, I have a Pro Masters now, but you know, I you still and strive to get something better so even what, after that. What brand is that? I'm not a drummer. It's a um, it's a it Pearl's a basic you okay. know, drum set, but it's like 
the the higher version. They right. have a pearl export, and the masters is you know you got thicker shells or whatever. Right. So, do you feel it changes the way you play having the different drums? Yeah, I I mean I I can't stand something that I don't like to, what I sound on, right. and then it affects what I think about playing in the first place. You know, I think that yeah. is absolutely true for just about any instrument. Yeah. Um, do you think it helped? playing on kind of ratty shitty kits no, early on not no at all because i <laughs> yeah, know as a guitar really... player I, oh yeah okay. i feel that like yeah. if i have to really struggle to play an instrument as a kid okay yeah, i absolutely uh, appreciate the better one i can but I don't see know if that. that works for drums yeah that's, that, that i can see i can see that okay yeah i was just curious um so do you have like a mic that you prefer to use because i know singers are definitely picky about their sound um when it comes to live i just like to keep a regular uh SM58. Okay, so the workhorse. Yeah. Something you can throw against the wall. I'm just used to it. I'm just used to it, and it's the most, you know, I have more more use time on that. Okay. I know how to hold it. I know how it sounds if I cuff it a certain way. So I'm just, I I, I enjoy that. With the studio, man, that's still an ongoing experiment. It it will be. And trying to transfer that energy, like, I want that live sound, like, on this, on the, the album that we just did, we we experimented with um, doing it both ways where I would hold an SM58 right. and then have a... Um, like a studio mic. Yeah, studio mic behind it a few inches. And it tried it that way, and it was cool. It was, you know, it's just an experiment trying to get that same feeling. I, You know what? I probably own over a dozen different types of mics mm-hmm. for a studio, and I still have not... I, I've got one that I like now, but I, I still don't feel like i found the right sound. Right, right. And it's, you know, it, some of the better ones are um, cheaper. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's not even a price thing, you know? And it's your voice, like, what, what right. matches well for your voice? Right. So there's definitely... Uh, the <laughs> to, to sound like a boomer, the struggle is real, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to uh, <laughs> to find, uh, find that sound. So I, I feel your pain on that. Um, and even from song to song, right. you know, um, as I've been listening to some, uh, old stuff now, I like some, some of my favorite, like I listen to some burning spear and I'm like, man, his mic is something about the way that his, his voice is recording. Like now we go for this like super clean, crispy, but it was something about this mic and the way it was picking up reverb right. and it sounded like it was in front of a stadium. And I'm like, how can I get that sound? Right like now, right. I don't. I don't want to just get the clear. I want to experiment and see how I can get that kind well, of. Well, and how much of that was done in the mix in the in the right, studio, right. and how much of it was the mic? Right. And I think when you're talking about older recordings, I mean that's majority of it was done in the mic. Okay. You know, in the studio. Okay. Um, before you get to all the the studio magic that happens right, afterwards. Right, right. Just we got one, list one thing. Think, thinking about it now. Um, crappy bass drum pedals make you definitely appreciate good ones. Oh, and that's it. I, I was wondering if that was going to be the that. Thing. That is something that I thought about. You know, you can bang on drums for tone or whatever, but having the feel of something like that is a little bit different than something you know that's like a rinky dink, right? Know, single chain something. So I always trip, man. I I bought a pretty decent little. Um, I don't know if it was a DW pedal or what it was, and all the drummers that come over pull that thing out. And go back to my old Pacific, like original <laughs> kick pedal, because they like how that plays better. And I'm like, I don't get it, guys. But I mean, the the feel is the feel definitely important when you're talking about kick drums. All right. So now that we've geeked out on gear and, okay. and we've completely lost anybody who doesn't buy musical instruments and whatnot, <laughs> um, let's let's get back into what you guys are uh, what you guys are into. Um, how about it? Doesn't have to be with with sovereign artists. But what's what's your best gig ever that you've done? One, I'll say one of the most uh, memorable gigs were, uh, I think it was in Colton. We did like a house party gig. Oh, the the pool. Yeah, it was. Oh. Um, what's what was those cats' name? But oh, Fine Balance, Fine Balance That's crew. Right. So it's like some cats in Colton, and they did like a, they emptied the pool out in their backyard, and mm. they're doing like a skate competition in a day. And of then, course they were set up a stage on half of it so it was cool man That's we were amazing. we did a show and and then it got like shut down and they're like man we're just moving the party to this other house so we moved oh, and that's right oh, so wait they, they took all the time to empty out the pool yeah and build a stage and it got shut down and then they shut it down <laughs> no but it got it was there was tons of people it was gonna yeah. be like dangerously huge oh. which so was then cool, they just moved were, the yeah. whole party to another house we we're like jumping into it we go to the other house and like finish the party man we're like performing <laughs> in the back like it was cool, man. It was it was fun. 
I find that most people answer that question with something like that. Right, that it's right. not necessarily the biggest show they've ever done. It's always something that's really different. Right. Like, would that be the same for you? Or is there another one that you think of? Damn, I'm thinking about that. That one, that that's up there because there's like massive people at that house just all around us and just jumping and going yeah. crazy, which is real fun. Um, the, um, I guess we played a, a show at house, house of blues. We opened up for, for, um, reggae, um, Bob Marley, Bob Marley tribute band. One drop. One oh, drop okay. redemption. redemption. And just the amount of people there in the, the amount of support we had, you know, just the amount of people and just seeing a sea of people, you know, listening to us was, was awesome. Do you yeah. find it harder or easier or is it not any different now getting people out to see you play now that you're not in college or high school? It's very difficult if you're not a teenager. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm just curious because, <laughs> I mean, it seems to be from across genres. It doesn't matter. Once no. you get out of high school and, and even college, right. like suddenly people have lives and they right, got right. babies and they got jobs and it's like, oh, I got to work at 6 a.m. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> that it gets hard. Um, and, and I would bet that you guys don't start most gigs before like 9 or 10 o'clock. Man, it's like... Uh it, it goes across the board, man. Like sometimes we play, you know, early gigs, um, but it really depends. Like I, I can tell since, cause I've been performing since high school. Right. And I can tell like it was a lot easier. You, your, your contact list was a lot bigger. Right. Yeah. And even though Facebook tries to keep that, you know, community right. going, you can only bug somebody with the same, yes. you know, thing. Like you've been a musician for 10 years. <laughs> I supported you for like seven of those years. Right. Like, right. <laughs> and what, yeah, what no is going to be special about this show? Right, right. It definitely pushes you to uh, bring a show element to uh, or an event element Absolutely. to every show um, because you have to. Right. For somebody to, to get a sitter and to, you know. Now, I will say this. As I'm getting older, older, um, people don't have as much going on because their kids mm -hmm. are growing up and I'm starting to see back. that That's they're cool. coming back. That's cool. And it's, oh it's kind God. of a trip how cyclical that is. That's cool, um, All things come around. Yeah, yeah. So... I mean, I guess if there, is, if there is a light at the end of the tunnel, it's that, you know, it's the, the 30s, 40s. Right. It gets a little dry and you might see them once a year. But then, you know, <laughs> and you're a lot back. better than you were like you fresh out better. of high school. They're yes. like, OK, <laughs> I think about um, a lot of the shows that Isaac and I did uh, when we were playing right out of high school mm -hmm. uh, in a band called Stillwater Black that was kind of short lived, but we felt like it was the biggest thing on the planet at the time. It did. And uh, we, we did a show. Um, I don't even know how we got on this show, but it was like real big fish was the headliner and they're like a, a punk ska yeah, yeah. band and Save Ferris was another like rock ska band. Yep. And then us I know. and then a couple <laughs> other bands, you know, before us. And I'm thinking, okay, why the hell were we on that show to begin with? And it was in like a college gym or something. It was in Pomona college. It was huge. Yeah. Right, right. Um, you know, probably a couple thousand people there. Um, we, we shouldn't have been on the show and we didn't get a sound check because the guys from real big fish were total douchebags and they were playing nerf football uh -huh. or something throwing we frisbees were and we're waiting for waiting. them to sound check so oh, we right, get to sound right. check and they're just playing around being dickheads that was probably purposeful i'm did sure <laughs> did you have to um let the the guitar player from safe ferris use your your gear or his, something like his that his amp died yeah. actually and he had to, like you know we had our our marshall half stack so mm -hmm. he's like can i use your amp we'll pay you for it i'm like no nah, man just Give me a, like a, a t-shirt and a right. beanie or something, right, right. you know, I just, I'm a fan, you know, as well as, as a musician. So yeah, I mean, that was one of the, the cool things, that but was that cool was a show. very fun show. Yeah. Um, even though we absolutely did not fit the bill. Um, and we did that a lot. Like we played with the Skeletones and uh -huh. you know, a lot of bands that there's no reason we should have been opening up for, um, Robin Trower, Walter Trout, <laughs> these like rock blues guys. I mean, I guess we sort of. Nah, we didn't fit. Nah. That kind of that, that kind of gig is is going extinct. You know, it's like right playing in a college, oh. in a gym, and like like they're not doing it like that anymore. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's hard to. I mean, they're doing them, but the question is, who are they bringing in? Right, right. It's and not going to be a, a set list full of bands. Live no, music. no, yeah. and and they're going to bring in somebody that's a fairly known act. Mm -hmm. 
uh, at colleges at this point because their program boards, they have a budget, you mm-hmm. know, and it's, it's a little more rare to actually get those college gigs. Um, what, what kind of gigs do you guys play? I mean, I know you're doing House of Blues and you've done some backyard parties. Is that is that kind of like the... And everything in between. Well, yeah. I mean, that, that really is the, the trick in Southern California yeah. is finding somewhere to play. Um, it's like, um, I mean, we've been playing for some time now, like a good four years, five years. Yeah, it's been long. Yeah, four. so it's like at, in the beginning, you just want to play anything right you know right and you're kind of getting your chops together and so it's it's needed to play the more gigs the better right. you know we played all so kinds we played of all shows the bar we played pretty much any scene. venue out here we've touched it right la you know we've touched as many as we could you, Do you know go to la a lot now uh not often no but i don't know anybody that does yeah because it's all it's 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 very very rarely worth it you know no, it's uh-huh. never worth it yeah like when are you at, at the thing that used to drive me crazy is they, they set up a situation in LA where you have to bring a ton of people. Um, they're not promoting anything, but mm-hmm. they're making you bring out the people to their club. And then everybody that comes to see you leaves when you're done. Right. Right. So the place empties out for anybody else that doesn't have a right. bunch of people there. So rather than pool their resources and have a great night, it's like you have a cool set if you have people there and right, then everybody right. else kind of just, you know, is screwed. The only time I see those the LA gigs working for artists that are coming from any other area than LA is when it's like almost those competition like shows where yeah. even even though it's a competition, the other bands stick around just because they want to see the competition. You know, the competition. Yeah, they want to see who's gonna win. And nowadays mm-hmm. like yeah. for musicians like some of your biggest fans are other musicians. So right. it's a cool way to just connect. If you're dope, then you'll get the respect whether you win or not. Like it's cool. I kind of feel like the the days of the um, the guy playing the guitar or playing the bass or playing the drums are kind of um, in danger. Yeah. Because I, you know, I'm at the high school, so I I get to see how many kids show up carrying guitars, and they're mm-hmm. they're coming back. But for a good five years, like I rarely saw anybody playing music. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I I definitely think it's it's potentially coming back, but man, for, for a hot minute, it's like, is anybody even learn how to play an instrument anymore? Right, right. Like, or is everybody, what I see more of is I've got a ton of kids who make beats mm-hmm. and they, everything is done on their iPhone and they're posting these tracks. That's 100% recorded on their iPhone mm-hmm. to SoundCloud. And that's the end of the story. Right, like right. they're not writing any music. They're not really playing any instruments. They are doing like a vocal uh, or rapping, but, um, but that's about it. Yeah. You know? And it's like at, at some point that's going to run its course. I think the, at some point you get burned, <clears throat> we get burned out, man. Cause it's like this, pro- that process. I was explaining that to a homie that's, uh, one of my, my, my buddies, he's uh, just now getting into like, writing and right. recording and he, he's jumped straight to put it on soundcloud right. and i'm like man just sit on your song that's like the hardest thing for me to explain right. to like my independent artist buddies like record it and sit on it and like conceptualize it you have to package it right it can't just be like you got to put pepsi cola on the outside mm-hmm. so they know what it is like right. you've done the hard part now just sit on it now be patient and conceptualize it but it's just like a eagerness to say everybody else does it. Let me right. put it out there, and then somebody's gonna hear it, and then they're gonna call me, and then they're gonna sign. Yeah, but that me. doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, it's it, hard. and more and more, it's becoming obvious that the labels are completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. You know, the the more we see a chance the rapper be successful, or even for that matter, a Billie Eilish mm-hmm. win five Grammys off a of recording done in her bedroom. <clears throat> I mean, it's become very painfully clear that the labels more than ever are just. <clears throat> loan sharks with connections. Right. You know, and that's, that's kind of the reality of the business. Now they're still trying to push their narrative where you get signed and we're going to put all this money behind you and, and make you famous, but you ain't making shit on them deals. And they're taking a piece of your touring now mm-hmm. and your merchandise because there's no money in recording. Even the touring thing is changing. I've, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of that is like, it's not even for the largest artists it's not worth it for them to tour a lot sometimes because no. 
like for th- think about if you're on top for your your two year three year run and you're doing mm-hmm. like sold out stadiums, you don't ever want to digress from that. No. But that takes a lot. Like to put on a tour, mm-hmm. that takes a lot of money up front, and sometimes that's a loss. So you'll see, you know, artists are canceling tours, right? You know, in the middle and, of it. And that's what sucks because it nowadays because the nature of streaming, it seems like that's the the only way you make your revenue or any money is to go out there and sell your you know your t-shirts and yeah and fill some seats up for the mm-hmm. most part you ain't making shit on streaming yeah I, that that yeah. is that secret is out right right like you're making 0.4 cents on every stream or some right, ridiculous right. amount like you could have a million streams and make about four grand you know yeah and, Streaming now yeah. is like it's your business card, man. It's it, like, that's really you what it think is. About it like that, you're um, not gonna think like I hope I make this investment back that I give this business card out. You just gotta let it go. Well, even music videos, I, I'm finding, are becoming a mm-hmm. thing of the past mm-hmm. because people are more interested in seeing the 30 second video that you post on whatever you post it on, right, whether right. it be Insta or TikTok or whatever. Um, and there's like a new streaming service every day mm-hmm. that you got to get up on, right? <laughs> you know, and, and uh, at some point, you know, I, I just I wonder if that album mentality and the packaging is going to come back. That creating a package rather mm-hmm. than just a song. Man, I'm afraid it's going, it's lost because even in my mind, sometimes I I lose the the ability to say here's an album I'm gonna listen the whole thing through my maybe it's just my own like uh impatientness but still like yeah I can see like all that we definitely yeah. are being programmed to get smaller and smaller chunks mm-hmm. um but I do have hope because I see that uh vinyl is on the rise you know and vinyl is 100% an album mentality mm-hmm. if you're just putting singles out you're not creating a record That's true. and a record is a story it, it, at, it, at its best. I mean, it doesn't have to be like, you know, the wall or something for right, Pink Floyd, right. but the music should tell a, a musical story as it makes its way through the album. And I think that art hopefully will be coming back. Yeah. You know, I mean, you go to any target and uh, guitar center and they've got their vinyl section. You don't see CDs anywhere. No. Yeah. You don't see download cards anywhere. Yeah. Um, so not to get too deep down this rabbit hole, um, but is there like a theme or a kind of a, um, a, a topic or whatever that you guys tend to come back to a lot in your writing for, for your tunes or, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like my, my, uh, subject matter is always, you know, trying to circle around some type of freedom where there is just like, uh, they're simple, you know. Sometimes I, I don't, I don't try to be too complex with the message I get across, but it always conveys some type of feeling of uh, trying to achieve a, a freedom of some sort, or uh, um, you know, just expressing an actual feeling, like from, you know, like uh, it's like the Matrix, man. Mm-hmm. I always feel like sometimes we get uh, so caught up in just our everyday life that you can kind of feel like you're just a slave to that process that mm. loop of like trying to survive so yeah stepping away from that is um doing stuff like music doing stuff where you're like damn against all odds this may work it hasn't worked for anybody i know but right, against right. all odds i'm gonna try it and put so much energy towards it and that's just what i write lyrically and try to put it into different you know themes yeah one of the best um lyrics that you came up with in one of the songs is this is a reference to the Matrix like, to take the red pill, the blue pill. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was cool. And that, that well, awesome. and that's become such a huge part of American culture now mm-hmm. that everybody gets that reference. Right, right. We understand it. So at this point, would you say that you've, even on some level, that you've quote unquote made it? I still don't think so. And it's not even about like receiving an award or anything. I just know that there's so many uh so many things that we haven't got around to doing yet um, from the business side, from going back to that thing, like packaging it just so you can present it to somebody and say, Hey, here's a polished product. We've done it. I mean, we've done it with the music part, but that's like what we do. So it's easy. The other part is a little tougher. So being more like on ourselves about that part, um, you know, for obvious reasons, 
you know, I don't feel like we've made it until we've done those things. At least giving yourself a fair shot by having all your ducks in a row. And, yeah. and uh, you know, because it's like, you can have, it's real easy to have hazardly, you know, put your music out. Right. right. So, you know, you do as much as you can with your time and, you know, your distractions and your budget. But it's like, man, I know I can do it a little bit better. So right. it's just doing it 100% of whatever I can. And we can be honest with each other. Like, we haven't quite got around no. to doing all that yet. Right. Because you're, you're learning as you go. You know? Yes. So. And, of course, there's levels of success, too, because, you know, I, I didn't think I'd be at this point here right now. <clears throat> I mean, because we just put out this this the album about five months ago. And they were at like over a hundred thousand streams and stuff, and that was that's pretty impressive. That's that's more, like a, now those more are legit streams, be. right? They're not like you paid some guy no, in, uh-uh. in uh, China no, it's to not. put <laughs> it on the on the docket. No, things. they all came out, and then you can track exactly you know where the listeners come right. from and everything like that. So, yeah, I get a lot of kids doing that. Mm-hmm. Like I have a computer lab at my job, and the kids come in. And one kid in particular, he was running around the room. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? He's like logging onto every computer. He's like, I got to get my numbers up on SoundCloud. Uh, I'm like, kid, that's bullshit. Right, right. <laughs> those are not people. Those are you. Yeah. You spend all that time and you mess it up for yourself. Well, yeah. Send, send your music to a friend and have them put it out there to yeah, their friends. Right. That's how you get numbers yeah. because the numbers you're putting up are not real. Right, and right. and we did that. We all got our numbers on Facebook and on MySpace, mm-hmm. and we paid for the fans and yeah, likes yeah. and it didn't help us a single bit. Not at all. You know, not at all. So it's, it's time and sometimes money completely wasted. Mm-hmm. And it, it messes up, it messes up your met- your metrics. Like metrics. you can't, yes, you can't analyze your own success or what, right. or what people actually like, unless you know <laughs> that they don't like it. What's crazy. I, I see what's big on Facebook and I've gotten sort of a part of it is like the share music um, pages and groups or whatever. Right. So you mm-hmm. throw down your music and they, you know, they go onto your thing, follow you on, um, on Spotify, take a picture and then, you know, really? get it to you. And then they, um, you know, they come back and they do the same thing. It's kind oh, of, cool. it's kind of networking. This is so a community thing. It's a community thing. So I send been, me that. Where have you been? I, I just, it's, if you go on Facebook, just look for share music anywhere. And that's cool. It's a lot of rap and stuff. And so, cool. and I've been, you know, we have one sort of like description, the song I've been posting that and you know, whoever gets on there, if they like it, you know, they'll like it, they'll, you know, follow it and then you can do the same or whatever. Does everybody in the band actively help promote or is there a, like a majority of the people in the band? Um, there's always like one or two that like, they don't do anything. They show up and play. <laughs> um, and I, maybe that's not the case, but every group I've been in, it's always been one person or at least one that like, yeah, I just, I'm not even on Facebook. You right. Know? Right. I think it's season. It's like, um, it's seasons for one. I see sometimes like even myself, I can apply more, you know, at certain times and sometimes I can't, but what's cool is like, there are seven of us and we all, mm-hmm. we all try to do something in some way to mm-hmm. contribute. Um, one might be better at Facebook. One might be better at Instagram. One might go to, he's still in college. So he has a bigger, you know, right. Community there. I, I think one guy in our, in our band was on the, uh, what app was that? Twitch. Oh yeah. And he was right. on Twitch and, uh, you know, just trying to figure that out. And he ended up like learning a you know, finding a good way to share his music with a lot of people and, and it helped out a lot. So it's cool. Everybody has a different kind of thing that they're comfortable with. That's a beautiful yeah. way to do it. And I hadn't thought about that because there are so many platforms. Just give like your job, your Twitch, right. your job, you're on YouTube, right. you're on Facebook and just everybody's got one thing that they're responsible right, for. Right. Man, I got to do that. I don't and know why it didn't occur to me. It's, it's It was a stumbling block for us for yeah. a while, just trying to assign jobs to Mm-hmm. People that are necessarily not comfortable doing right, it, you know. Right. So it's something that we kind of fell into. Try, we know. try. Uh, you know, that's that's the only way it's going to work. Um, I was in a, a project, and it was some of the most talented musicians I've ever worked with, and the music was some of the best stuff I've ever worked on, and it didn't go anywhere because none of us wanted to book gigs. Mm-hmm. None of us wanted to really do anything other than you know pay some for some fake Facebook ads or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just sort of withered. Mm-hmm. And you that's, I think what the average person doesn't understand mm-hmm. is that 
there has to be at least one person willing to do all the shitty jobs that, you know, aren't part of the music, you know, that's, that's the promotional part. I mean, it's not called the music music. It's called the music business. (laughs) And if you don't have somebody, at least one, somebody doing the business part, it it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. You know, and, and it'd be nice if you could find a friend or, you know, a wife or a girlfriend or somebody, they'll be willing to go on and post on Insta for you every Mm -hmm. day. But, um, but it, it is good to hear that you guys have delegated some things because it's that's somewhat the smart delegated. Way to do it. We yeah, everybody's always chiming in for you know so we have that we have the band page right, and everybody chimes in for ideas and you know certain things. How would you like to be remembered as as a project or even as a musician? Like, what would you hope to see happen to where people go? Oh yeah, he was that guy that did this mm-hmm. or was this or um, you look at someone like Rage Against the Machine. You know, they're just as relevant today as they were, you know, when they first started out. Um, and they're definitely remembered for being that revolutionary rap rock thing. Um, what would I, I that's kind of a huge question. It's sort mm-hmm. of a uh, unfair question. But is there something you'd like to be remembered for? Um, yeah, I mean, at the height of things, I would hope to be remembered, you know, more for stuff I've, I could do off stage than okay. you know, on stage. That's not a part of music. You know, necessarily, but music maybe have been the the stepping stone to do those type of things. That's absolutely fair. Right. I mean, you look at someone like Bono or, you know, any number of activist artists, mm-hmm. um, the music has made it possible. Athletes, same thing. Right. Their their success in their sport has made it possible for them to send a thousand kids to college or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and I think in some ways that is bigger than what we're doing. What what about you? I would um Eventually, like to be noticed as a has been, sweet, as opposed to like a never been before. You know, one hit so wonder had a one. You got to start uh, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I know. I, I'm just yeah, but yeah, I, just to um, maybe having it, it's good to know that if there's enough people out there that know that you you did something, you know, and you're yeah. you know, you, that's basically it. Do you feel like you guys reach people, like on a on a human level, an emotional level, whatever? Def, I think our live show does. Yeah, you so. would hope. Yeah, you know, and and I can't say that everybody feels that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like you've you've changed any lives? I mean, that's kind of a stupid question. Man, but. it's it's crazy because I I wouldn't say that, but like I, people have said that, and it's weird. It's weird. Well, then that's <laughs> yeah. that's proof that you have. Yeah, you know, I mean, and, it's 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 crazy. It's it's just in the moment, you know, something about the live show and you just got off stage and somebody's like, man, I was having a shitty day and this, 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 and they just right. want to share something with you. You just shared your life with me for an hour. Let me yeah, share with right. you what I've been going through and how you, you kind of like gave me some inspiration to keep it, keep it moving. You know? I think that's what get gets lost for a lot, especially young artists, but artists in yeah. general is they don't understand that people like their music for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And sometimes what you're saying connects with their situation right and not just you know it's a cool beat or i like this hook but it's like there's something in that that totally connected with the fact that i'm going through this thing right right um and i think for me that's always been um a key thing um i mean it's it's extra awesome when people sing along to your songs yeah because that means they know your lyrics um but it's, it's even more impressive when somebody connects with it on more than just that level. Right, it's right. like, man, that makes me think of my dad or that makes me think of uh, this relationship I had when I was in high school mm-hmm. and it was this really amazing time. Um, but yeah, no, don't get me started on that because I'll end up like taking over here. <laughs> no, nah, that's what it's about, man. I think just, that is what it's about. Just creating a little, and it's it's not, it might be not be as big as changing lives, but Jeff definitely maybe just changing that night for someone or, yeah. or just letting them experience something. Like music nowadays is so like, uh, it's a tool to do a bunch of different stuff, like, but very rarely is it something that you're like, experiencing like when you were fresh in high school or fresh out of high school like so if you can still attach memories to music nowadays Mm -hmm. i think that's cool so you know just trying to set that up for me yeah the 
sense memory through music is some of my favorite things because yes. I, I listen to I mean, as you get older you listen something hits you like in, in the, on the radio from 1982 and you can almost smell where you're at at the yeah. time right. and it's like that's something that it's almost like time travel man yes it's cool. yes for me it's I, what i people laugh i, I call them the chicken pox song because okay. when I was a kid, I had chicken pox, okay. and all I could do was lay around and listen to the radio. <laughs> right, right. So it's like Cherish and Always and Forever and all those tunes okay. are my chicken That's pox fun. songs. Right, right. Like that whole era for me, that, that year was like the chicken pox song. Cool. <laughs> um, so absolutely, if, if I can achieve that for exactly. somebody That'd else. Be crazy, yeah. Mm-hmm. That to me is a huge success. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's bigger than money, mm-hmm. bigger than big crowds. That's a human connection, mm-hmm. and I think um, deep down, most artists, I want to say, most artists care more about that mm-hmm. than the dollars and the crowds and all that. Um, so I've never asked this question, and I've been wanting to ask somebody, and I think why not? Let's do oh, it. Shoot. Um, <laughs> I, I am absolutely fascinated with the Robert Johnson. Uh, selling his soul at the crossroads story um, that you sell your soul for uh, whatever it is that you want to Mm -hmm. have happen. So you find yourself at the crossroads, you get offered that deal for your soul. What do you give in exchange? Or do you? I think I just tip my hat and I say, well, I took it as far as I could take it. <laughs> and I turn back around, man, and I, I play my music and walk home. You know? Okay. You're going you're gonna to pass on I'm the gonna deal. I'm going to pass, man. I think I'd pass on the deal, too. It's just, you know, maybe if younger, you would not pass on the deal. But now you think about it. And then and you know what your repercussions are in the first place. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Thinking about it now, I you know it just depends because you know I don't. I, Eighteen it's just year a old you live forever. What would eighteen so. year old you have traded? Oh man, I would have gave it up. Yeah, I would have gave so. it all up. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what would you ask for? Oh man, what would it be oh. worth? It wouldn't have been worth much. Whatever I asked for at that point wouldn't have lasted long. Man, it was probably <laughs> money, women. I just, you know, I yeah, was. That's true. That's I didn't want it crux. for all the right things, and I think I was. It's it's almost been a benefit that I didn't have that. You know, yeah. moment of, of stardom or 15 minutes of fame, you know. Right. And I've been able to, like, just grind and learn and make mistakes that aren't on TV or something like that and right. grow as a person. Like, you look at those cats nowadays and they're, like, being judged off of, you know, this moment of time for the rest of their life and, right. you know, what they have to do with that. So yeah. it's, a, it's a burden, man. It's a heavy a heavy burden. Yeah. And I, I love to wreck on the guys from the, the Star Wars prequels, mm-hmm. uh, Hayden Christensen and, uh, and the kid, uh, Jake something. I love to wreck on them because they're terrible. Um, but those poor cats forever are going <laughs> to get right. screwed for being in those movies. Mm-hmm. And they probably thought it was the greatest thing ever. But in hindsight, it's like, man, Macaulay Culkin is another one. That poor dude right. is never going to get out from under that right. movie. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's something. I've even looked on the backstory on the kid, the Anakin kid, just to, to see how screwed up he is nowadays. Oh, yeah. I don't Jake know what Lloyd. He, Jake, oh, yeah, but still, I don't know where he's at now, but I'm sure that had an effect on him. Oh, he was in jail at one point. Oh, and, see how yeah. Yeah, I think as a kid, I would have made a, a deal in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, getting a little longer in the tooth. I, I don't know that I'd make that deal, yeah. you know, or I, if it would be a, it definitely wouldn't be the same deal for sure. Well, man, we can't even like enjoy it as we get older. Like I get tired around like 1130. And, <laughs> like, <laughs> 930. <laughs> Shit. So I can't even enjoy it. Like whatever yeah. I got, all the women, they wouldn't, you know, they'd be like, damn, he's not a rock star. Like, I'm too old to be the rock star. Nah, nah, I just want to <laughs> fucking make dope music. Right, right. Yeah. Jim Croce had a line, and I don't even know if you know who that is. He was a songwriter in the 70s. He's like, I, I used to like to do it, but I can't remember why. Right. Like, <laughs> it's like, you know. Um, so what do you still hope to accomplish then? You know, you ain't going to sell your soul at the crossroads for it, but what, what do you hope to see happen? I, I, I think, um, man, I want to go, I want to see how far I can go. Like how close can I get to that crossroad without, you know, changing who I am and stuff right. like that. Cause it's, um, I always look back at, uh, at, um, I'm, I'm, a, I, I like to consume music by, in albums, you know, I like yes. to listen to dope albums and, and I'm still discovering, you know, 
artists to this day from like the 70s and 80s and I'm just like man mm-hmm. I'm just hearing this what is <laughs> and I always have to consume a whole album when I like discover a, a old band or something mm-hmm. so it's cool like and I can still appreciate that even though they may be long and gone right it's like that's the type of thing that kind of lives on even after your little you know your little fun in the sun like your album whatever you put out digitally that stays alive forever so right yeah. right well and i i give isaac credit for this he he turned me on to a lot of bands that i never would have liked or never would have heard about ben um, folds man ben folds is one of them but there's like a ton <laughs> um and i think i i told you about it um, yeah. A while ago, when I realized that, oh, I know about this band because of you. Uh, <laughs> Jellyfish was another one, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he just had his finger on the pulse of all this random ass shit word, that was word. all really good. That's um, on that note, what artist or album that nobody got do you think they should have gotten? Like that they this this album should have been huge, and of it's our, completely of, ours, of our music. No, 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 oh, the okay. stuff that you like. Like, oh, is there yeah. an album that you have that you're like... Man, I think everybody should be a, a Fela Kuti fan. Like, Fela Kuti and... Uh, and I, I, he changed his band's name a few times, but Africa 80 or Egypt 80 or something okay. like that. Man, he's this funk artist out of uh, Nigeria in the 80s. and uh, That's some deep cuts right yeah, there. man. And he's like... A, he's, a, he's trained um, pianists. He plays a saxophone. And his songs are like 30-minute songs. Right. So his albums are like, you know, his vinyls are only like a few songs on the <laughs> right, vinyl, right, but right. they're like 30 minutes long. And he's like, he lived in a, co- a compound with all his musicians and what? stuff and his wives, because he had a bunch of wives, but they're all a oh, part cool. of the band. You check out his performances and you listen to his album, it's like, this is some of the best music I've ever heard. That's and I'm cool. And I kick myself that I haven't heard it sooner, right. but it's it's like, I don't know what, what was going on in would business. Would you have world. gotten it when it came out? Like, would you have like, I get this. Well, I wasn't, I wasn't born when it came out, well, so I'm not sure. Saying. Yeah, like, I, I don't, I don't, maybe not. You know, my, my yeah. appreciation for music has grown over the years. My taste for music has gotten better, and that's why I think I'm digging more into, I don't get it quite enough out of the modern music, so I no, dig for man. it, like. What about you? I know you got one. Um, Head P. Okay. I thought they had the, the, the good, um the melody and the funk and just like a little like a electro edge and all that kind of stuff okay. that sounded really good and i thought they're gonna be <clears throat> somewhere and like see on mtv and mainstream but yeah not not as much so oh i know what it was it was bad religion that you turned me on to oh really and they are one of my all-time yeah, oh, favorites yeah. and yeah. i i would say the same about them super underrated that's one you of know them. they they probably deserve every bit of success and praise that green day gets um, because they're just as, but they're even more relevant. Um, well, maybe it had to do with their two, their intellectual lyrics were too much for the mainstream. Oh man, it was definitely something like that. You yeah, know? when you're using words like dichotomy exactly. and, and <laughs> like they they go a little deep. Yeah. It is a little cerebral, absolutely. Uh, but talent wise, those albums are phenomenal. What's your favorite venue to play? Again, it's not always the biggest venue. You know, it might be where you get the most back from people. There's a venue in Long Beach called um, K Sarah. I like to play, okay. even though the they're not always the best shows. It's just something about the community and yeah. um, the venue itself. I've seen other bands like tear the fucking house down. So yeah. like, when I I just like playing in there, like I get that nostalgic energy in there. Yeah. What about you? Case Raw was fun. The um one of the fun shows we had recently, like last year, was we had the rooftop show in um, Pomona Theater. The um the what's it called? The Fox Theater up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we, we put on a show up there and that's fun. We got in there and that like it's kind of fun with the lights and being up on the roof and possibility somebody right. maybe falling off or something. So No, I no, I think that's that's kind of a, <laughs> that a common thread that I see. Musicians don't necessarily I mean you enjoy those big shows where you're at like the 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 Fox and Riverside or you're playing at the big concert venues or you know like I did a thing at Casulas Arena in Cal State San Bernardino mm-hmm. and it's like this is their basketball arena. You know, this is a couple thousand people. Yeah. And that was fun. But that wasn't necessarily the most fun I've had at a gig right, right. because you it there's just a, you're you're removed from the audience. Mm-hmm. 
Um, some of the best shows are when there's people stepping on your mic stand, yeah. you know, and it's like, whoa, 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 you're tripping over my monitors here. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Um, but that's that's sometimes a lot more fun than those mm-hmm. big, big shows. Yeah, there was a little show two years ago in a backyard, mm-hmm. and we walked into the garage, and the guy had a little studio, and then half of the garage was like a roped-off place, so you got the drums and, and all everybody, and, and then the, the other little part, it'd be like, it was almost like half of this, which we're right. looking at right now. And there was just like, just the swirl of people while we were playing that and stuff. Right. There was so no. much energy. <laughs> that was probably actually one of my one of my favorite shows and seeing some of that on YouTube. That was like a punk, yeah. a punk show. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, That was pretty of. fun. Uh, there's a spot in New Orleans. I like to go to a place down on Frenchman Street called, um, called Bamboulas. It's got tables and chairs. You can have, uh, you know, some food and you can sit and watch some music. Mm-hmm. But there's a place about four doors down from there, I think, called the Apple Barrel. And it's literally the size of this room we're in right now. The band sets up right by oh. the door. There's two tables and four chairs in the entire club. Wow. And it is packed wow. every single day. And I saw a band called Johnny Mastro and Mama's Boys. And they're from Southern California, but they moved out there. And it was it was nut to butt. Like, everybody was jammed in there. That's right. Uh, and that was one of the cool... And they play there every single week because it's a blast right. every single week. Right. Um, so those kind of shows are fun. The, the, the vault martini bar in Redlands used to be like that. Uh, when it was this little tiny place and you were crammed the drummer up in the window, you know, up on this little perch, like a window seat mm-hmm. and you barely could fit your drum set up in there and you'd be hitting your elbows on the window, you know? And by the time the show was over, the entire place was fogged over from the heat inside the room. Like that's the kind of fun venue that I find most musicians really enjoy. It's not enough of those anymore. So uh, even those that were there are not there anymore. Right. Some of those open mic days at the Falconer we yeah. had were, were pretty fun too. Falconer was a blast, yeah. man. That place is and they're still people. doing it yeah. over there. Like that that went away for a while, but it's back. Oh, is it? okay. Um and I, I know a lot of the people who used to originally go and do it are back doing it again because it was a lot of fun. Um yeah, man, that, that's a definitely uh I find that a lot. I was I asked that to just about everybody, like, what is your favorite venue? Um, almost never the big venues. Well, I think we probably should wrap it up on that note. Um, it's been an absolute honor having you guys come in and it's been a total pleasure. Uh, this has been another episode of fix it in the mix. Thanks again to Carolina West and Isaac McCorkle, uh, for coming in and giving us a peek inside their world. Um, where can we find your music or just find you guys in general online? However you like to listen to music. All we're, platforms, yeah, Apple really. Music, Spotify, it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah, everywhere. And apparently, a hundred thousand people can't be wrong because that's how many streams you're up to. No, at this point. yeah. Um, so yeah, do you have a website? Uh, just no, search no. for the Sovereign Artist on whatever it's on. Right, yeah, you're right. on everything. Yes, sir. Um, also, if you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on Facebook, and by all means, please tell a friend and tell them about the Sovereign Artist. Thanks again, guys. Thank thanks, you. thanks. Fix It in the Mix is recorded at Inland Blue Studios. Remember to subscribe to Fix It in the Mix on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This episode was brought to you by SpinWiz Comics. Please go and visit spinwizcomics.com. This episode of the Nerd Life Crisis brought to you by IB Comics. IB Comics, the home of great creator-driven stories for people of all ages, including Legba's Juke Joint. The first book of a nine-book series is available now and tells the story of American music from the blues to the present. The series examines the values of American society and for what we as people are willing to trade our soul. The book has been called Smart and Clever by Mark Wade of The Flash and Superman and Raw, Honest, and Profoundly Human by Stephen Frank, the creator of Silver and the animator on The Iron Giant. The book is available now at www.ibcomics.com. Ivy Comics, the home of great stories.